I'm terrible at clapping synchronously. <laughs> I think it always sounds async, right? Will clapping be a, a hot new tech episode? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Okay, so now we'll make an episode about anything. I'm really interested in the, the TLDR review of clapping. Low easy rating, I would say, after two tries. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Taylor, I just rewrote our intro, and so I'm going to demo it now. Ooh. You can give me a love it or hate it after I'm done reading. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Nice. Can I also give a love it or hate it? Please, yes, please, everyone. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't know the stakes were going to be so high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, welcome to a... Po- <laughs> Okay. Welcome to Opposable Thumbs, a podcast where Taylor and Rob chat with a guest about our creative accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. How'd I do? Oh, you're done already? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Too quick. You can probably slow it down a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll try again. Welcome to Opposable Thumbs, a podcast where Taylor and Rob chat with a guest about our creative accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. My name is Rob Ray. I use he, his gender pronouns, and I'm a user interface designer and artist, and I make music and objects using the name Shimmering Trash Pile. Hey, my name's Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY enthusiast, CAD CAM evangelist, noted tall person, Midwestern Viking, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. My name is Judith. I'm an engineer in LA slash artist, even though I, I'm not sure what's worse, having a slash in your title or committing to one profession. So, um, <laughs> this is like our last episode, part two. This is great. I'm really an engineer, but since this is a talk, I feel like you guys are artists, so I can like reveal myself more. But professionally, I'm an engineer. Rashali and I have a show called Hot New Tech. So, basically, we try out a new emerging tech every two weeks and we rate it. And, and it's awesome. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's indescribable. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out what it is. I really get very self-aware when I'm describing things. Yeah. So you should just watch it and you tell us what it is, okay? Uh, hey, I'm Rishali. I was previously an engineer. Currently, I don't have a title. I'm on vacation, so title-less person right now. But next year, I'll be a creative technologist. So that's about it. Also, I'm on the Hot New Tech podcast with Judith. We review new tech. So if there's a tech you want us to review, send it in. I want to hear about creative technologists because, Rob, what um, what was the title that you had again that was a little up in the air? Oh, um, experience director. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you you bring it up as though it's maybe ill-defined, which sounds very exciting to me. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think there's a whole realm of non-words titles coming up, like experiential designer and like creative technologist, conversational designer, like, you know, have you heard of that one? No. There are people who design like Google Home and Alexa conversations. So what a creative technologist in my head, I'm assuming, they basically try out new tech and then see if uh, any of it is usable for clients. Usually I see that position in uh, ad agencies, like there was a position at New York Times in the labs department, uh, in the R&D department. It's it's somebody who kind of knows how to code, kind of knows how to design, kind of knows how to put a prototype together, but doesn't really know anything properly. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> yep. Have you been reading my diary? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that sounds great. 
it's like master of none but master of all dip their toes in a lot of things and cannot do anything properly that's where developers and designers have to be hired <laughs> and then the creative technologist kind of just like puts it all together and goes like hey why don't you all make this professional is sort of what i'm thinking but also it's kind of high stakes because it's not easy to know multiple things at once and put together everything it's a hard thing to do sure and there's this book range i think it's called uh, it's about generalists versus specialists i forget the name of the author it's such a i read that book did we talk about this book yeah we've talked about this book we'll send you the link yeah we'll put it in the show notes it's called range yeah it's called range okay. and it's about like the idea of uh, generalist versus specialist yeah so the author is basically talking about like what's good for learning should you be dipping your toes in a lot of different subjects or should you be specializing in one i i think my personality type is more of a generalist like i don't like diving deep but i like diving broad so it takes all kinds of people to build a world sure judith I was curious your thoughts on that because you described yourself as an engineer but also as an artist which is how I think of myself also so I was just curious how you think of yourself do you like code switch between the two I'm still it's still a process I'm in the middle of it obviously there's this idea that I really like that once you can define yourself you're already something else because I think that like once you have this level it's like sort of like you know how when you work on your portfolio it's never up to date with how good you are because as soon as you have a piece in your portfolio it means that you're already better than that because you made that piece so your next piece is going to be better so I feel like that's similar to like defining ourselves. As soon as we think we know what we are, we're actually already on that next level. Um, and it's a very uncomfortable space, like not knowing how to define yourself. It's much more comfortable to be in a box, you know? So mm -hmm. I probably embrace the lack of definition, but also professionally, it's a lot easier to hire someone in a box, you know? You don't yeah. want to hire so an amorphous thing. Anyways, I try not to overthink it because <laughs> I obviously do overthink it, so I try not to. But professionally, I, I make more money just saying I'm an engineer. In a casual conversation with you guys, I'm going to tell you that I'm actually also an artist. Like on my LinkedIn profile, I wouldn't say, oh, also an artist. As Rishali and I have this metric about heat and like we kind of talk about market value. So I would say it has low market value. The artist. Yeah. It has low like popular market value. I think there are some positions that will want that, but there's much less of them. I do think there is power in the creative technologist title because it forces a recognition with people like HR departments that we exist. HR people are gatekeepers, right? And so I think it's important to codify that language with them in order for people whose resumes aren't legible to a lot of other people to make it through the gate. I really advocated for the creative technologist role at a company I used to work at, and I failed being able to pull it off. But Taylor and I yesterday were applying for a grant, and I mean, I have six versions of two different resumes for my life because I have an art life and I have a technology life. I totally agree with you, Judith, in that I sort of force myself to be legible to certain groups, but it also makes me totally mad. Yeah, so I, I really struggle with that, that same thing that y'all are talking about. Yeah, the multiple resumes part is funny because this year I was job hunting and I have eight different titles, like resumes for different, like AR engineer, hardware engineer, yep. software engineer, <laughs> creative technologist. I was just like, what am I doing? And the same experience was being described in a different way. I was like, is this what the industry wants or why am I trying to push myself into a box? This is what I do. This is what I am. My website literally says everything that I do and has all of my work on it. Like, if you like me, hire me. If you don't, why am I trying to push myself into different boxes? 
Oh, geez. I wish I could feel like that, but I just, I'm too anxious as a person <laughs> to, <laughs> to get away with it. Yeah, I don't get away with but it. But Rochelle, it sounds like you really have your uh, your head in the right place. After a year of not having it in the right place. <laughs> I see, get it. Judith knows. <laughs> this reminds me, I, I did some matchmaking um, in the the Jewish uh, observance scene, and it's, tradi- it's traditional there to they call them resumes when you have like your profile like they don't like you, you you print out your resume you give it to the matchmaker and the matchmaker uses it to sort of to match singles hate doing the resumes because it's impossible you know and it's very nerve-wracking all these people have never even dated before and it's very scary they're trying to get married it's very intense and they hate doing resumes and as a matchmaker it's super frustrating because it's like i just freaking need some information about you on a piece of paper it doesn't have to be this like super accurate portrait of you i just need your name and your like some details so i can match you with people so there's this idea in america that like your job is who you are or your title is who you are and that, that's i think that's making people crazy um when your job is how you make money you know it's not who you are and obviously the more you can put of yourself into it the better but you know you're going to get even if you get 70% that's like pretty good I guess what's the question is how much can you expect of your, you know, what's the ratio you're trying to get? I'm looking at 70% as a success. So I wouldn't want you to dox any of your uh, your clients there, but I'm just curious. Like when I think of my resume, I think of there's sort of areas, right? So I might say selected jury shows, selected curated shows, and so forth. And I'm, like, can you give us a sense of what kind of areas you would find on a matchmaking resume? Well, in the traditional world, Salary is not there, but profession is there. Education, references, where did you grow up, a little bio, path of observance. I'm nothing crazy. You know, people get crazy about the bio, but but what made me quit matchmaking is that the women would come in and they would have a huge list of what they wanted. He has to be handsome and tall and rich and nice and like so sweet and love kids and have a lot of free time, but make a ton of money, you know. And then the men would say they just want a simple girl. I was so offended I came to my husband I was like what do you mean a simple girl like there's no such thing like there's no girl that's super simple and he was like men just say that but they don't mean simple they just mean like like pretty and nice I don't know but (laughs) uncomplicated maybe yeah I was like this is too hard for me yeah I quit (laughs) it's funny because uh, Judith did matchmaking in the Jewish uh, community and I am Indian and India also has like a arranged marriage situation, which also runs on the idea of biodatas. And uh, I forced Judith to watch this Netflix show called Indian Matchmaking. I don't know if y'all have seen it. It's quite funny, but also disturbing. But it has this whole similar concept of putting everything of your life into one piece of paper and then like each person having criteria and being like, oh, it, this person needs to be tall, whatnot. Yeah, We tried to simulate it with uh, one of texts that we tried, which was hash.ai. I don't know if y'all have gotten a chance to check it out, but uh, we failed miserably. <laughs> it's a very uh, human process, matchmaking. I feel like we should describe the Hot New Tech podcast a little bit more so people can like know where to go if they want to like stop listening and like listen to it and then come back. Judith and I have a podcast. It's called Hot New Tech. It's available on all of the platforms where you can get a podcast so apple spotify google what else is there Castbox, and the podcast is about trying out new tech every two weeks and we review it is it easy to use does it have good documentation was it fun and other criteria like that if you want to go check it out log on to hotnew.tech it's really funny to me that we keep talking about the distillation of pretty large things into 
categories and kind of breaking things down for assessment, right? So whether it's, you know, people looking for people to marry in the Jewish community or whether or not you're going to experiment with a code base, a diva cup or whatever it happens to be. But then at the same time, we're also talking about how much we are sort of anti-categorization when it comes to having ourselves defined by our professions and the almost uh, guilt or paranoia that comes with defining oneself as an artist. It's, it's just interesting how those things seem to be in such conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a great analysis. Yeah. How did you do that so fast? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> you know, Wait, are my, you a professor? My... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, that I was so academic. Here. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Epic. Wow. Thank my, you. My, my wife, Audrey, uh, the first... A year or so that I was uh, lecturing, I think it was like 15 years ago or something, we'd be getting ready for dinner and she'd say, just stop using your lecture voice. And I'd say, I, I don't know how, <laughs> like, this is just my voice now. And um, I think she's finally got either gotten used to it or just uh, keeps her uh, frustrations to herself. But it, it must be pretty funny living with somebody that, you know, um, do we want broccoli or cauliflower for dinner? Let's, you know, let's assess the <laughs> the gradient of choices here, whatever it is. Rashali and Judith, if you could describe maybe for people the TLDR concept and sort of how you, you have a kind of scorecarding system that I think is wonderful. And um, it sort of imagines to be very terse, but you're both able to really like uh, describe your feelings about something through using the system. So I was wondering if you could just describe the system a little bit and like how you came up with it and how you use it. So we have a system called TLDR Ratings, which stands for Too Long, Didn't Read Ratings. The idea of the show is that we want to make it easier for people to learn new tech because it's hard. As an engineer, you have to stay on top of all the new things and who cares, but you have to do it. That's how I feel. I don't have time for this, but when I do it with Rishali, it's fun. And so I have time for it because I always have time for fun. It was a way of making something that I hated, which is learning new technology, more fun. TLDR Ratings are Heat, Docs, Ease fun and how long it took so we felt like these were the metrics that someone who was new to a technology they'd never heard of before could look at and just say oh is it worth my time to learn this thing in what in 10 seconds they could read the rating so that was how the idea started but it ended up being this great framework for us to talk about these technologies that was a super great description i really like the breadth that you articulate when you use the word tech and so you've used tech to describe something like augmented reality and JavaScript, and you've used tech to describe a minstrel cup. And I was just curious about, I can imagine some of those feel very easy to lump in as tech, and some of those maybe felt more difficult, like maybe the minstrel cup one or or other ones that you've chosen. And so I was just curious about your decision-making process together to sort of say like, yes, this one's in or no, it isn't, or did that just come super easy and you just both sort of fell into choosing to have a broad interpretation of it or a big interpretation of it? Um, I think Judith and I are both like very open-ended, artistic kind of people. When it came to the menstrual cup, I think Judith was the one who suggested it. And I was like, yes, absolutely. It is a tech. We will rate it. (laughs) So I went to a master's program at NYU. It's called Interactive Telecommunications Program, but it's basically all the way from fabrication to physical computing to computational media to everything in between. We have a professor called Daniel Schiffman who has basically a YouTube channel called The Coding Train. And he makes a lot of mistakes in his videos and he goes like, whoops. And there's like this video cut of him just going, whoops, 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 whoops. And Judith was sent me that video and she was like, I want this to be the theme of the podcast. Us trying things 
and failing and then trying it again. Basically, it's okay to fail when you're trying new tech because tech emerges so fast. It's like one of the fastest moving industries. Look at the COVID vaccine, like it's taking a lot of time, but there probably have been like four releases of some JavaScript library by now is my understanding of how things evolve. So I guess between the two of us, I think it's easier to like pick what we kind of want to do. We sometimes go like, oh, okay, so we've done AR, we've done ML. Let's do an IoT one next. Like this podcast, like this collaboration happened. Or like a new tool was announced by The Markup, which is a publication site about uh, technology. So the latest episode is us rating Blacklight, which is the tool that they came out with. So it it's kind of organic, but also... Yeah, depends on how we feel, basically. That's cool. The one thing I would add is that the thing that I see all the techs having in common is when I see them at first, I'm like, WTF is this? Like, I can't understand the words that it says. I can't understand the explanation of what it is. Like, with the cup, first of all, I knew that Rishali also used it, and I'm so passionate about it, but I knew that it was really hard to use. I mean, I had a really hard experience trying it. That was the two things. It was so cool, but I remember it was hard to use, and I think that's sort of what everything has in common. Like, when we see a really easy technology... It's not as appealing because there's nothing to talk about, you know, it's easy for anyone to adopt it. But if it's something that's interesting, but kind of doesn't make sense at first, for example, AR, I keep hearing about it, but I don't know. I didn't know what that stood for. You know, it was, it was kind of obtuse to me. My kid, when uh, when she was little, she always wanted me to tell stories, but she wanted this character to have bad behavior at every single turn. And I was trying to explain to her that if there's no redemption, you know, redemption is kind of the seat of conflict resolution, but she was she was unmoved as a two-year-old. <laughs> but speaking of that kid, I felt like I really learned something from the Diva Cup episode because I have a daughter, you know, she's only five and a half, but she's also really interested in the difference between bodies and specifically male and female bodies, which I imagine is pretty common. And so I've been trying to tell her to be, you know, really frank with her uh, but she always wants to know about, you know, why do some bodies have this and some bodies have that? So I really appreciated in the Diva Cup episode sort of the description of how ejecting or removing the device involved using muscles that you relate to childbirth or even, you know, defecating or whatever, and just being really frank about it, you know, because otherwise it is. With my college students, when I was teaching film theory, I noticed that they'd actually get more freaked out if I used the scientific terms for sexual organs and so forth. There's so much embarrassment surrounding that kind of topic matter. And as a modern dad, I want to really make sure that I just completely remove that from myself by the time, you know, my kid is old enough to need advice on that kind of stuff. But, you know, maybe she'll never want advice from me anyway. And to an extent, I can't give it, but I I really appreciate it just having that understanding in that really frank way. I thought that was really useful. Yeah, a lot of my guy friends heard the episode and they were like, this is super important for us to know, just in the sense that it's two women in technology talking about this openly. And these guy friends, some are American, some are Indian. We don't get to hear that. That information is not very easily accessible. And then a lot of women slash menstruating people were like, oh, that was helpful. Like, I don't use it. I want to try it now because it sounds scary based on what Judith's experience was, but your experience seemed like So they get like two different perspectives on it as well. So we got a very interesting feedback on that episode. And my mom was like, how could you put that out there? No one's going to ever hire you. Just kidding. (laughs) I was like, imagining like your future boss listening to this. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, thanks. My my guess is any any boss that would be uncomfortable with that probably turned it off at the very first. Right. That's what I thought too. (laughs) We warned that it's about menstruation. I mean, 
That's yeah. your warning. That's it. Everything else is on you. Reb, I was going to ask, but we've just been having such a great conversation. Do you want to guide us back into a little structure so we don't keep everybody too late? Sure. We have a slightly new format, and, and we're super excited to have both you, Rashali, and Judithon. And we asked you to think about um, what you might want to share with the, the folks that listen to Opposable Thumbs. And um, we asked you to bring a person to talk about whose work you like or whose life is interesting to you, and that person can be alive or dead. And then also a idea or creative process or technology. And that could be something that maybe you mentioned in the podcast, or it could just be something that you're personally interested in. I realize that's a little bit of a homework assignment for our guests. So if you didn't do that and don't want to go into it, that's great. If you thought of someone and something, it would be cool to hear from both of you. What do you want to share? Judah, do you want to go first? Sure. In your email, I believe you said an artist. Yes. Okay, now you change the prompt slightly. Uh, yes, right. I gave it a lot of thought. Great. And I feel like you guys aren't going to like my answer. So I'm curious when I say that, what do you think I'm going to say? Oh, with an artist you, we won't like? Yeah, an artist where you won't like my answer. Like Picasso or something? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I have like a long list of artists. Yeah. Okay. But then I was like, I'm not obsessed with any of them. Like, mm-hmm. there's some works I like of each one. I feel like in my 20s, I spent a lot of time following other artists. And now I'm less interested in other artists' work. I like it, but I don't know. I'm just busy. And like the more you create, I feel like the less consumed you get by other people's work. You know, you're more consumed by your own work. And it's a balance, but I can't like tell you. I wasn't confident about talking about any of them. Also, I feel like none of these artists need me to shout them out on a podcast. You know, like I was trying to give all these <laughs> artists like who needs my shout out. <laughs> and like Kanye West <laughs> does not need my shout out. Um. I do like Kanye West a lot, though. I feel like embarrassed to say it, but this is really how I feel. My favorite artist is God. I feel like God is a big part of my creative process. All and right. I just, I'm very, like, it's very humbling. And I feel like the more, like, the more spiritual my creative process becomes, the more I just feel like this vessel. And it also helps a lot with perfectionism because it's not, like, me, you know? Sure. Like, the more I divorce my ego from it, the more I'm able just to, like, create. And Rushali and I were just talking about, I think we had some technical issue, and we're like, the show must go on. And it's not personal, you know, we're just working, and it's either good or not good, and it's not about us. I mean, I don't know if Rushali feels that way about her creative process, but I'm just saying, I'm really amazed by God's work. So when you said artist, that's what I thought of. It's not a person, though. So if the question is a person, then it's not a good answer. I can't remember now. Did you want us to be disappointed or you wanted us to be not disappointed? I'm not sure. I was predicting your disappointment, but I'm not attached to your response. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think the very the very fact of what you just expressed suggests that our opinions are kind of immaterial. You know, I mean, that's just a very personal way you feel about it. And that's cool to hear how you feel about it. Yeah. I wouldn't have told you if I cared a lot about your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have said an artist. That's uh, thank you. <laughs> I may kind of care, but like that's how I f- I'm just being honest. I feel like that's the most interesting thing is to be honest. So. We love honesty. Honesty is great. Yeah. You struck me as the kind of people who like honesty. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Oh, that was Judith. Amazing. I like it. I'm I'm agnostic, and I think Judith knows that. Mm-hmm. So I really like. I find it very interesting how Judith and I collaborated. I mean, at the end of the day, it does go back to what our values are and like sort of where our religions are coming from and how we were raised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's nice. That's cool. Rishali, before I ask you specifically about your person, I do want to take a brief aside. How did you both come to meet one another in life? Great question. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Judith, do you want to answer it or should I go ahead? I can answer. I was the first hire for our previous company. 
Okay. And so part of my job in the beginning was hiring more engineers or like filtering through the resumes and stuff. I saw Rishali's resume on, I think, Stack Overflow. Yes. Yeah. So her resume immediately stuck out to me because she had ITP on her resume, which is a program at NYU that I really wanted to go to, but I didn't go to. So I was like, okay. I was like, this is interesting. But I immediately also knew that she might hate the job <laughs> because I could tell that she's like very creative and that I somehow from her resume, I could tell she wouldn't want to be just like a run in the mill software engineer. And also people from New York usually hate LA. So I remember on the interview, I was like, are you sure you're ready to move to LA? And she's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, and then you can pick it up from here, Rishali. Yeah. So in the end, I did hate LA. It's a terrible city. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because uh, I don't like cars and I don't like a city that's dependent on cars. And uh, I try to keep my carbon footprint low. So I bike and uh, it's hard to be just biking in LA. Yeah, so that's how Judith and I met. And she interviewed me. We worked together at that company. And now we both don't work there. So nice. that's that. <laughs> that's cool. Thanks. I, I was just curious. At the company, we paired a lot and we would always send each other like new things and we were just very like-minded and we were very different than the rest of the engineering team. Yeah. So yeah, we really bonded. That's really cool. Sorry, that was a deviation, Rishali, before you talked about a person whose work and life and whatever you're interested in, but I just was so curious I had to ask, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question because I get asked that a lot because I usually collaborate with people from my grad program. And they're like, who's Judith? Like, wh where did you meet her? How, how did that happen? <laughs> okay, so basically, like, obviously, there's a list of people I'm looking up to and artists I'm following. And it's hard to pick one. But the last three months that I was living in New York, I had a roommate. And he's a lighting designer. So he did the lighting in the whole apartment. And my room was lit by him. Uh, his name is Aaron Parsikin. So if anybody wants to shout out to Aaron Parsikin for <laughs> being a great lighting designer. He did the lights for my room and I, I would leave the lights on because they were just so pretty even at night like I would leave the lights on a lot of times and that made me realize that I really like this artist named uh, Olafur Eliasson I don't know if you all have heard of him he's a Danish yeah he, he does like lighting sculptures and installation work uh, last year I saw his exhibit at, at the Tate in London and uh, it's like everything about the world is like so heavily dependent on light. That's been my recent fascination. So as of uh, 1st of December 2020, Olafur Eliasson is the artist that I would be <laughs> uh, looking at. Well, it'll change tomorrow. So <laughs> ask me again. <laughs> well, he's got a great website. Yeah, too. his website is. Yeah, yeah. Interesting thing about Olafur's e exhibit was when you enter it, he starts off with how his creative process is. So he's a, he has a bunch of prototypes on display. And when I say a bunch, he has like 200, 300 random shapes and structures and designs and like drawings just out there at the beginning of the exhibit. And that is something that's very peculiar. Not every artist puts forth their creative process, exhibits it like that. So yeah, more admiration towards <laughs> all of her for doing that. He also like recently put up an AR app kind of installation thingy, digital uh, stuff. Oh, so cool. I, I'm not sure. Like what, when you say you want to sort of talk about an idea or a creative process, um, the thing that comes to my head, I recently, like Judith and I were looking for laughing sounds, like genuine laughter sounds, and we couldn't find any. So we started this GitHub repository of uh, genuine laughter. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
so we keep asking people to send us audio files of their genuine laughter but like when you're genuinely laughing you don't remember to record yourself <laughs> so a lot of times i'm like oh my god i genuinely laughed and i forgot to record myself so if you end up genuinely laughing and recording yourself please send it over to, to us info at hotnew.tech nice what formats do you want those in any format dot wave dot mp3 m4a whichever <laughs> format like dot oh, yeah. hw since you guys are editing your podcast just edit out your laugh we'll send you the repo and you could just upload them yourself to the that repo. sounds good <laughs> that's great send those laughs what did github have that thing where they buried a bunch of uh, data under a mountain somewhere oh i have some code up there oh nice i think i do too <laughs> yay the arctic vault is that what it's called yeah yeah i think so mm-hmm. yes svar svarbald svarbald svar something where the seed vault is, right? Yeah. yeah. I heard the seed vault due to global warming had some sort of leak or something. I think they had to yeah, go deeper or it didn't stay as cold as they expected it to. Uh-huh. Damn. Yeah. But like I'm imagining thousand years later, some human or alien is opening it up and being like, oh my God, Rishali was a terrible cold. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, hey, I'm dead. Don't judge me. Judith, I asked you to bring an idea or creative process, et cetera. And I feel like God sort of just drops the mic <laughs> after <laughs> on all of those and so but i was i wanted to loop back to you in case you had something else you wanted to share there yeah i can share something else <laughs> so a couple months ago amidst the whole corona thing the noun project have you guys heard oh, of yeah. it mm-hmm. it sounds familiar it's like a free online icon project mm, right and it's really cool it's like this huge library of svgs that are amazing and they have artists making really nice icons so it's a great library and one of the people there tweeted this tutorial for a coloring book using the noun project. So you just throw in an SVG, you know, add a letter or something, and you have a print, a printout, whatever your kid wants. And during Corona, I'm sure we've all intimately gotten to know our kids' uh, (laughs) desires and wishes. And my kids could just color all day. I have three girls, ages three to six. So they love to color. And so I was inspired by this tutorial. And we're doing hot new tech. And I was like, it'd be cool and easy to do a, like a tech coloring book for my kids basically using a lot of unicorns like just that's all you want to color is unicorns so i was like i'll just put on tech words and we'll throw in some pictures of unicorns and we're good to go so we started working on this coloring book for hot new tech and the idea was to do an a to z computer science coloring book and it was actually really hard so oh so we have the store episode so we was like okay this will be our offering for the store episode and we'll have two options you can either buy a digital coloring book with bitcoin or you can pay us real money and we'll send you a copy of the book, a physical copy. So we got no Bitcoin purchases, but we did get four actual US dollars purchases. Yeah, so we started working on it and it was, and by the way, all we had on the store was one page. It was literally nothing. It was like an SVG and a little line about algorithms. And we got four purchases from that for $26. So that's like not insignificant considering it took 10 minutes, but we had promised it would be done end of November. So that's today's end of November. And actually, after this call, I want to talk to Rishali about <laughs> how we could tell our supporters that we're not delivering. Because basically what happened was that it kind of sucked. We knew we could do much better. We knew that like, once we started working on it, we got really excited about it. And we wanted to hire an illustrator to make it actually cool. The thing is, that they're very hard concepts to explain to a kid. And so there's a lot you can do with illustration that we couldn't do and we didn't have the time to do. The book goes like A is for algorithm, B is for Boolean. How do you explain an algorithm to somebody that's between three and six Uh or how do you explain a boolean that's at that age right Um, Mm. so we have to come up with fun prompts like we have f is for filter and uh, like the prompt is 
color out all the numbers that are in the background or color out all the alphabets that are in the background. So you filter out. So we started putting in a lot of effort into the prompts about something that would be exciting. And then Judith would prototype it on her girls. And then I have a niece who's five years old. So it's there's a lot of significant amount of work that goes into designing a tech coloring book. Yeah. And we really want to make it cool and fun. Also, at this point, it's like the parents also need to sort of be familiar with computer science terms to be able to sit next to the child and color with them or explain something if that situation arose. So, yeah, we're putting in a lot of thought into it. That's why it's being delayed. So the supporters are going to have to hold their horses because it's going to be good when it comes out. Nice. But yeah. yeah, we're slightly delayed. That's really great. Well, we chose like an arbitrary date. Um, and all the supporters, I would say 80% support us and 20% care about the coloring book. So I don't think anyone's like really sitting there, some sort of teacher who needs curriculum. No, it's like all people who just really get it as a gift for their niece or something. It's been really cool prototyping with my kids and, you know, getting such amazing feedback. Like I, it's made me more inspired to make it great. But while I was preparing for this episode, I was also writing the draft to these four supporters about why it's going to be late, <laughs> even though we promised for the $26 it's going to be at the end of November shipped to them. So. Anyways, in terms of creative process, I think that was a really interesting one, just in the sense of like quality versus fulfilling your commitments and the show must go on. And I think because I already know these people very well, it's like my two friends from high school, my father-in-law and my brother. So they're not going to be upset about mm -hmm. it. But I do like to hold by my word. And we did say November 30th. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm offering them the draft that we have. We have finished the book technically, but we know we can make it better. So I don't want to print it until we have like an illustrator will go through it. But anyways, it was an interesting sort of interesting case study in uh, the creative process. That's cool. That's really cool. Sure. Yeah. Taylor, did you have a, a person or process at all that you want to talk about this episode? I've got a, um, a Twitch stream coming up. I'm new to Twitch. So it's going to be Wednesday night which is uh, December 2nd after this podcast or before this podcast comes out, but then hopefully for a couple of weeks following on Wednesday nights. And I have a collaborative with Jay Stephen Lee and Kay Dart, who are two former uh, guests of our podcast. And we made this cast iron sculpture that is plumbed with propane that shoots out. So I've been working on some code with the Twitch API so that you can... If somebody donates to Fair Fight, so I think technically my person would be Stacey Abrams, right, who's running uh, Get Out the Vote in Georgia. So uh, we're going to have people come to our Twitch stream, and then if they send us a screenshot of a donation to Fair Fight, then we'll give them a one-time code. And then if they type that into the Twitch chat, it'll control some solenoids and cause bursts of flame to shoot out of this uh, sculpture. Yeah, so working a lot on my Python and APIs. And then thinking about Stacey Abrams and Georgia. That's where I'm at right now. Nice. Do you have any experience with Twitch? Uh, just a little bit. So I feel like I'm 42 and I, I feel like I'm starting to age out of some stuff. I mean, I try to maintain a little bit of a Reddit presence and other things just so I can understand the cultural context my students are engaged in. But it is a little uphill. So I, I feel like I'm probably going to do it wrong. But uh, <laughs> but how about you, Judith? Do you have Twitch experience? No, I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm 33 mm -hmm. or 34, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, Twitch freaks me out. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I feel like I got to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel the same way as you, except 10 years earlier. So just the, the couple of things that I gleaned so far, it started out, I think, largely to broadcast people playing video games live. So a lot of it is still tilted towards that. You can't tag your stream with any tag. It has to be one of a pre-selected group of tags. 
I think they're being added every day, but so there's a million tags for, you know, individual video game characters that you might be playing. But then for a project like I'm putting on there, I have to kind of shoehorn it into other communities that might not expect it. So the closest I could get to the fire thing was pyrography, which I think is just people um, burning fonts onto pieces of leather and pieces of wood and <laughs> stuff like that. I had to think like, well, is this digital art? You know, because everybody in the digital art tag is just showing, it's like tutorials on how to draw manga. So we will see. But I'm pretty excited about people using services like that for the wrong reasons. I think I had some friends who put online, like there was a classic feminist tome about pregnancy. And I, I can't remember exactly, but they, they put it on GitHub to increase access to it, which I thought was kind of a cool, what's the word I'm looking toward, transgressive use of the platform. And so I'm hoping that, that our use of Twitch will uh, be similarly transgressive. So if, if you want to check it out, the account is fine with this, with underscores between each word. And that's going to be December 2nd, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. I have a, a person and I also have a process. My person is someone who Taylor and I know personally. He's a Chicago artist. His name is Mark Fisher. He does a, a number of different projects. He belongs to a group called Temporary Services. He also has his own thing called Public Collectors, uh, where he sort of uses the process of collecting or curation or grouping as a creative practice. And he just released a new project that he's working on that is really, really great. And I just have to tell people about it. It's called Police Scanner. And I'll just read what he wrote in the email that he sent out today about it because it's so good. So here we go. For 75 days, I listened to the Police Scanner channels using the website crimeisdown.com. The only day I missed was November 2nd because I refused to listen to the police on my birthday. Against the backdrop of COVID-19 pandemic, increased calls for the police to be defunded or abolished, escalating homelessness, the election, and the final months of Trump's presidency, and very little state or federal relief coming through to the people who need it, I listened to 911 dispatchers and the officers that are sent to respond to calls. I listened to every part of the city, he lives in Chicago, at various times throughout the morning, afternoon, and evening, and wrote down things I heard without editorializing. I produced one page of observations per day. Sometimes I chose to fill an entire sheet of paper. Other times I stopped when I decided to stop for a variety of reasons. Over time, my note-taking became more refined, maybe even elegant, but the kind of things I heard changed very little, no matter when I was listening or what part of the city I was listening to. To preserve my own mental health, I limited my listening to one session per day. And so they're on his Tumblr, but he's also going to be publishing a zine with them. And his Tumblr is, I think if you just search like public collectors Tumblr, you'll get there. And I'll post a link in show notes. And they're really great. And I'll just read like one or two little things that like he wrote from the police scanner that are just, it's so compelling. They're so fun to read. And some are so mundane, but your brain just like can't help but being like, what is that? So here's a good one, which is a black car parked in her handicapped parking spot. Like every little phrase is a story in, in your head, like as soon as you hear it, which is really great. Aggressive female pit bull. All officers pull back from that location. Let's get this right. Here's another one. He is now pouring gas on the floor. <laughs> and it's just page after page of these amazing little snippets and like arrows. And he draws like these little word bubbles and things that connect, but there's no drawings of people or anything on them. They're really great. I really have to recommend Public Collectors as a project, Mark as a human and his new project called Police Scanner that I, I really am enjoying. The process I wanted to share is one of the oldest of old school processes. And it's inspired by this really great podcast that maybe you all have heard called Hot New Tech. <laughs> so <laughs> the process is collage. 
And I was inspired about collage because y'all have a picture on your site that is your heads on, I think it's like an old picture of like an ENIAC or something. Can you describe the picture? Sure. I don't know what the actual name of it is. I think we looked up old tech or something. Yeah. So I, I remember at one point we knew what the name was. You know, I don't know what the name is, but it's basically a huge room of wires that I'm assuming is like an old computer or some sort of old system. Yeah. Um, I think from like the 50s. And it's the picture is originally two women basically taking the wires and putting them somewhere yeah. else. But we collage our face on top of those two. It's women. really great. It's really fun because it's like clearly, of course, a collage. Like it's not trying to be like a Photoshop job, you know, where it looks accurate or something. And it's so funny and great at the same time. And I was just like, that's great. And then I was like, I'm going to make a collage. And then I realized like that's like kind of the first creative process I really dove into in high school, like when I started to think about making art. And um, because I was really into also like the work of Winston Smith, who was an artist the Dead Kennedys used a lot in their album covers and stuff, and is a collage artist. It made me realize just how hard it is, really. And I was just like, wow, it's amazing that this is an art form that like requires you to juxtapose images into these both believable and non-believable lumps of content that then your brain kind of processes. And then I got really ensnared in, okay, I want to make a collage, but should I include images from the internet or should I only include images from books I own or magazines? And so it made me like think about all these like content sourcing issues. I'm giving myself a month, but um, I really want to make a collage like that I'm proud of because it's a process that I originally was drawn to as a teenager. And your image on your website made me think about it again. So that's what I got, collage. That's so touching. Nice. I just want to say one thing about collaging. And as you mentioned, the content sourcing is really interesting because it's something I struggle with. Mm. Also, as a teenager, I used to always collage from magazines. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like the imagery I want to source from is not so socially... I'm not going to find it in a magazine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really want to find it in a magazine. But, like, it's much harder. <laughs> I don't really want to sit there and, like, print pictures from the internet that I like. Like, that's much more time-consuming than flipping through a magazine. And a lot less fun, too. I I'm curious to hear your updates on content sourcing. So let me know. Cool. Will do, for sure. Taylor, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, no, I'm just nose down on this Python thing. The, the other thing I've been working on is uh, getting a little license as a drone pilot, which apparently you have to do now Whoa! in order to capture aerial footage to be continued. But apparently as of today, I'm a, I'm a technical drone pilot because I paid my $5. Wow. You need a captain's hat. Hey, Christmas is coming. Yeah, a little pull behind thing for your like change of clothes and stuff or whatever it is pilots have in there cockpit thing i don't know what that is cool i'll read us out we'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker if you share a podcast episode on social media rate us on itunes send smoke signals or do some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast we will mail you a sticker just contact us on our instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email opposable podcast at gmail.com we'd like to give a shout out to wesley ellis charlene mcbride adam mayer deb chatra blondie hacks nick contar walter katindu and david bellhorn they're our top patreon supporters if you'd like to join them in our league of patreon supporter badasses please go to patreon.com slash films to sponsor us. I'd also just want to give a quick shout out to all the other Patreon patrons that we have. We're up to like the huge amount of like 80 something dollars and it's really great. So thanks to all of our supporters for helping us out. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Uh, Judith, I'll ask you first. Is there any ways that you prefer people get in touch with you or learn about what you're doing through Twitter or your website or your GitHub or anything like that? You're talking about me personally? Yes, or the podcast, whatever seems good. Yeah, um, I'm at Judith Praise on all the things. Hot New Tech, 
It's at hotnew.tech for Twitter and Instagram. So either way is great. This was really fun. Thank you. Yeah. Can people still buy the coloring book or is it too late? It's definitely not too late. It might be too early. <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely we'll take your money and you will get one. But I'm not going to even promise a date. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really awesome. That's all I have to say. I think that should be a whole new form of fundraising is called eventually. You'll just get it. It'll just show up sometime in your life. Yeah, I think it's called Kickstarter, man. Yeah, it's like delightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No commitment. Rishali, is there any ways you'd like people to get in touch with you or learn about what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm uh, at Ilhasur, which is my name backwards on Instagram. That's where I usually post oh. my projects. <laughs> yeah, head over to Instagram, hotnew.tech. And when you say hotnew.tech, it's D-O-T, not the dot dot, but spelled out on Instagram and Twitter. So that's social media and hotnew, the real dot tech as the website. Nice. Taylor, what, what you got? Do you got anything you want to, any links or anything you want to share? I mean, I guess I should just start saying my website's taylorhokinson.com. And then... It's looking great, Taylor, by the way. So you And I think I'm Hokinson Taylor on Instagram because there's a like a 20-something young woman who uh, got out in front of me on social media. I got the URL, though, because she was like three years old. Nice. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Cool. I said it last time. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to become eventually confident about saying this. Most of my artwork stuff is at robray.net. That's R-O-B-R-A-Y.net. I have a half-built crappy website. I kind of like that it's half-built and crappy at shimmeringtrashpile.com. And I'm Shimmering Trash Pile on Instagram. And I'm Shim Trash Pile on Twitter because Twitter doesn't like long handles. I thought that would be funny to make like a handle that like eats up all my characters. And they think that's not a cool feature. So anyway, Judith and Rashali, thanks for coming on the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time. So fun. Yeah. Y'all are great. And thanks, like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, we spanned like all the time zones. And so props to us for just being able to pull all this stuff off, actually getting Skype to work, which is the weirdest piece of software ever written. So thanks. I really like the idea of ending a meeting by giving ourselves props. Yeah. Like we did it. We did it. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. We did it. Clap, clap for everyone. Woo! I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a question. Can I ask a question? I don't know if it's... Great. Sure. It's not a conclusive question. It's just a question I want to ask before it's over. Taylor, they're flipping the script on us. Which is... <laughs> you got, this, is this is your 93rd episode, right? Yes. So we we heard from JS Party, the Jer- Jared oh, yeah. told us that once you've hit 50, you're an official podcaster. Oh, oh. So you guys are like double. You're, Getting there. You're almost at the 100. So give us some, where are the tips? Give us the tips. Taylor, you go first. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, Rob and I are just friends that like hanging out with each other. So I think that's a big part of it. Where, because Rob originally proposed that we do this project. And then he asked me if I wanted to do it with him. And he, because we used to live in Chicago together, but then he moved to L.A. So, yeah, so it's just a good way to stay in touch. And I think I was saying this way at the beginning, maybe before we were recording, that uh, it's also a way for us just to make friends at the same time. So it was kind of built for COVID before COVID happened, right? If you guys just like hanging out with each other and you're enthusiastic about learning stuff together, then it kind of, the rest of it just does itself, I think. Easy for the non-editor to say, but, you know. I have some new discoveries here that I've made over the past month, maybe, that have felt good to me, is one of the things that I kept trying to do was have the podcast kind of always be the same. And we, over the past few years, have, for various reasons, just let the podcast morph 
into whatever it is next. It's been actually really good to become more comfortable with that. The thing that it's allowed me to do also is to, I'm a person who the hot new tech peeps can, can relate to this, I think, who loves to just learn about new stuff and just explore new stuff. And I think there's a lot that can be done under the idea of the podcast in order to do that. For instance, like the reason that I also got into collage is because I want to make a visual component to little audio clips so I can post audio clips of the podcast to Instagram and Twitter and stuff because those platforms really like video, but they don't like just plain audio, you know? And I was like, if I just make something that's cool to look at, people will click it and then listen to a clip of the podcast and maybe think the podcast is cool because I made this little weird thing that goes with it. But like, that's not what you're supposed to do as a podcast, you know, like you're supposed to do blah, blah, blah. I don't know, whatever. And so the thing I've been trying to think about is the ways that my impatience and also my like need for new creative things in my life, like that the podcast can be a vehicle for that. And I think that will keep me going when other things like editing or just me being scared about asking people to come on is getting in my way. Do you find any resistance from your audience? Taylor, do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, I mean, we've been kind of here and there about tracking. So I think before we, like, what was it? We had gotten it up to about a thousand people downloading per episode. And then here and there, we would get somebody on who had a particularly large following, then it would get bigger. And then mm -hmm. I think we kind of mm -hmm. took a summer break and we found the audience really fell yeah, off. Really so, fell off, yeah. yeah, so part of it has been just trying to figure out how to keep it consistent and originally we were having ourselves and the guests all make something for each episode. And some guests would find that really intimidating and some guests would do amazing stuff. But then also we had to do it every two weeks and it was super, super exhausting. <laughs> so we've kind of pulled back on that a bit because everyone's making stuff anyway. So if we shift over to talking about what we're already doing, that seems to accomplish a lot of what we were doing already without making our weeks feel so frantic. But in terms of the audience, we just haven't had that much direct engagement so I, we don't really know and that's hard to stay motivated with that too right it's like you're just like i don't know are people listening to this i don't know like <laughs> it's weird so true yeah it's really a strange medium yeah agreed <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure i mean I, I will say that like these conversations with y'all is so helpful just to know like someone else is doing it and y'all's podcast is so cool and it's like oh like i met these cool people i mean that's like a huge motivator that i don't think about enough i think either meeting other people who are doing it rad interesting weirdos you know or whatever like i don't know it's like oh cool that really helps me keep going you know well i'm curious since you guys have interviewed so many cool people that you like and that is a big motivator for you like we have we've sort of started to collect also these cool people we've been meeting through the podcast and it's like i'm not gonna just text them randomly uh -huh. you know but like so how do you build community around that that's a great question oh my god well at least a third of the people are someone that we already have a relationship with and then, yeah, I don't know. Have you wound up continuing a relationship with someone you didn't know at all till we had him on the podcast, Rob? Some, this is telling me also some things that I used to do that I really want to do. I used to tell all of our old guests, like when certain things would happen, like, hey, we hit the 10,000 downloads mark. So thanks for being a part of the podcast, you know, like just to keep them engaged and kind of letting them know what we're doing. But it also makes me think one of the things I've learned about the podcast is there's so many cool people in the world who I want to meet in person who I haven't yet, you know, that I want like a festival of weirdos or something like like i want some event that isn't this hyper weird maker fair or something like i don't know like i want some other thing to exist in order to actually meet people in person and that's a thing that has been missing from my life that i keep looking for we've talked about having something like discord or something for that but it's been hard to get our like head and arms around it. we're doing an art show that's all assistive devices and jigs that people make on their way to the final product that was another idea yep judith do you have any ideas that you're thinking about doing the Discord we talked about too, but I feel like that's the wrong, I don't know. 
we might do a hot new community episode where we try to figure out what to do. But right now I was thinking just to like have a, a group of people, like maybe a, a WhatsApp group or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like all the people we interviewed and maybe our sponsors or something. Yep. And like people that we invite. And sort of private group that is people who are really passionate about this topic. Yep. And maybe that's one idea. I mean, I love the idea of an event, but I... Sh- I know. Scary. But yeah, let's keep talking about it. I'm curious about this topic. So yeah, anyways, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks everybody. It was nice to meet you.